Welcome to Lawmen, the podcast about local legends and obscure curiosities from days of yore. I'm James Shakeshaft. And I'm James's priest and confessor, Alistair Beckett King. Our first tale is really a very famous legend from Washington. All right, I'm, I'm about to tell you an extremely, extremely famous story. I think it might be the... because we're supposed to do obscure stories, but this is extremely famous in County Durham. Right. And it is the story of... Don't, don't sneer at that. <laughs> you don't realise how famous this story is. Okay. It's the story of the Lampton Worm. Mm-hmm. Have you heard the story of the Lampton Worm? It does ring a bell. From when I've told you about it in the past, possibly. I, maybe. It sounds... Is it... Is there like a Lampton... Is there like a Lampton pie or something? Is there some sort of food... Or has it just got lamb in it that makes me think of food? I think that's it. There is no, there is no lampton pie. Okay. Do not, do not look for a lampton pie because it's made in out the story. of worms. <laughs> it is disgusting. The story of uh, the lampton worm is is incredibly, incredibly popular in the northeast, and it's one of those things that, in fact, you don't realise isn't famous across the whole world, <laughs> uh, and that will come up in the story. Uh, right. Our belief that this is really famous. <laughs> And the story begins with uh, young Lambton, who is the, the son of uh, Lord Lambton, mm-hmm. uh, a, a local uh, nobleman. Mm-hmm. And he was what is in the northeast referred to as a bad lad, a reet wrong Yeah, The he's, kid. The kid, young yeah. Lambton. He's a, a, a young adult, a teenager, a classic naughty, rebellious teenager. And the story takes place in Washington, D.C., by which I mean... Durham County. Oh. An area called Washington, which is no longer in Durham, but I think was was part of Durham at this time. Right. Um, so it's somewhere between Newcastle, Sunderland, and Durham, uh, if you can imagine that, the triumvirate of the three great cities of the Northeast. Mm. Yeah, yeah, there's three. They make a triumvirate. Are they all in a line on the They're coast? They're not in a line. Uh, Sunderland's for... Yeah, Sunderland and Newcastle are, but Durham's not. Ah, uh, okay. Um, and uh, so we're in Washington. And on Sunday morning, when everyone else was going to church, young Lambton instead went out fishing... In the Weir, which is the river that runs through Durham. Yeah. yeah. The Weir? The, the Weir. W-E-A-I. It's the name uh, of the river. That must be confusing I think, for, for the water people. I think there is a Weir in the river. In weir. the Weir. The Weir Weir. <laughs> I don't think we call it that. What is a Weir? A Weir me? is like, I think, I'm not sure what its use is. I don't know if it's to slow down a river or something. It's like a half dam, I think. Mm. A Weir. Weir. Um, Imagine Peter Weir at the Weir Weir. <laughs> Being weird. <laughs> I don't know whether there's a weir in the weir. Uh, um, I may never know. Well, it's impossible to ask anyone. You sound... They'd laugh you out. Is it weir weir? <laughs> Is there a weir weir here? <laughs> Luckily, nobody in Durham talks like that. <laughs> the weir weir is over there. It's, uh, in Durham, it's got two syllables, so it's weir. So uh, it's proper weir. In the river weir. How would you say... Where's the weir weir? Uh, where's the weir weir? Where's the weir weir? <laughs> you, haven't, you haven't even let me get to the, the inciting incident in this story before you've already mocked the Durham accent, um, which is going to come up again. So he, so he goes fishing in the weir, and uh, every time he catches something he's not happy with, he curses the day, he curses the river, he curses possibly God himself, I can't remember. Oh. And the people going to church are listening and going, oh, on a Sunday morning, you know, swearing like that at the, at the river. Terrible behaviour. <laughs> Swearing like that at the river, and uh, and then uh, he pulls up uh, a, a, a reet ugly fish, um, a, a worm, in fact, the ug- the ugliest thing he's ever seen. And he says that it looks like he's pulled up the devil himself to an old man, and an old man going past goes, oh, oh yeah, because uh, <laughs> the people recording this felt it was necessary to have a witness for that bit. Of the, story. The, the old man going past says, so what's that, mate? <laughs> So it's devil. Shouldn't you be in church? <laughs> Shut up. Um, and uh, so he goes, oh, this is horrible. Um, and he can't be bothered taking it home. So he throws it down a well. That's the beginning of the story. Uh, at this point, I'm going to, and this is to my great embarrassment, I'm going to have to sing the next bit of the story. Oh, God. Yeah. Not now just I, your embarrassment. I know. I can't sing. So I might. we might cut this. So the story is best known in the Northeast because it was immortalised in, um, in pantomime. In, uh, in the 19th century. And I feel like I've seen some of the podcast stats, so I know we have some listeners who aren't from the UK, so I think I have to explain what a pantomime is. It's like if you took Commedia dell'arte crossed with 
like Weimar Germany cabaret, like the film Cabaret, crossed with an offensive 70s sitcom, <laughs> but for children. Mm. So, with so throwaway sweets. <laughs> you get free sweets. So it's a bit like vaudeville, like in a musical form of entertainment. Big, huge in the 19th century, still popular now, mm. but not that popular. It's more, it, nowadays it's more a vessel for people that used to be on gladiators. Yeah, and so soap opera actors mm. in their, the sad tail end yeah. of their career. I actually, when I was working as a cameraman, we did a bunch of interviews at a launch of like some panto group that did loads of different ones. And they were, all the stars were there in dressed in costume. I can't remember where, <laughs> in, in somewhere in London. And they're all there. There was, who's a gang's guy? Ross Kemp. Ross Kemp. Ross wow. Kemp was there dressed as like Baron Hardup or something. Kim and Aggie. Oh, yeah. Uh, As the Ugly Sisters? That's, that's rather offensive. Me. Yeah, but they are also no, awful, prob- awful people. And they probably were wicked in some... They were They were the... Maybe they were... Actually, no, because they did a cleaning program. They were probably fairies, like cleaning up fairies. Um, Mickey and Jane Rooney. Oh. I think his wife's name was Jane. Definitely Mickey Rooney. Wow. And his really, wife. I mean, Rita Rooney. Yeah. Proper star. I think that is the most famous person I've ever met. You have name dropped all over my story. Yeah, go I have on. to say. Sorry. And so, I've got to be better than Mickey Rooney, they're, dressed they're, as buttons. <laughs> so, uh, from the uh, the Lambton Worm song, which was which is sung in in, in, in my school many a time. Uh, That's what I was trying to distract from, yeah. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm still going to have to sing it. And I might, if it doesn't work, I'll just read it. Uh, <clears throat> the Lambton Worm song. On Sunday morning, young Lambton went a-fishing in the weir, and catched a fish upon his hook, he thought it very queer. But what a kind of fish it was, young Lambton couldn't tell. He wouldn't be fashed to carry it yem, so he hoid it doon a well. <laughs> yeah, so that's the bit that I've just told you. Hoid, of course, is throwed. Couldn't, wouldn't be fashed, is couldn't be bothered. These are all words that are still used in the northeast. He wouldn't be fashed to carry it yem, so he hoid it doon a well. And then the chorus, which is the bit everybody loves, is... Weesht, lads, had your gobs, I'll tell you all an awful story. Weesht, lads, had your gobs, and I'll tell you about the warm. <laughs> and it tells you something about the northeast that the chorus of a song has to be, guys, just shut up for a minute. I'm trying to tell you about the worm. And they have to repeat that twice. Yeah, exactly. Just shut up, please. <laughs> it's a panto. I've written a panto. <laughs> shut up. That's the whole chorus in between every verse. So, that's been clear. He couldn't be bothered to carry it home, so he hoid it. He couldn't be bothered. He couldn't be bothered to carry it home, so he hoid it down a well. What happens next is, uh, well, two two things happen. The story splits. Lambton goes off to to fight in foreign wars. So, Lambton reforms himself and goes off and joins the Crusades. Right. um, Because going away to kill Muslims is considered an awful lot better than fishing on a Sunday. <laughs> the terrible crime of fishing on the wrong day. And swearing at a river. And it's much better than going off to just kill people overseas in the Holy Land. So that's what that's what he did. Meanwhile, uh, the worm, according to the, the song, um, and this uh, I think this is some of the best lyricism. I'm just going to read this. Some mm. of the best lyricism you're going to hear. Mm. But the worm got fat and grad and grad and grad an awful size. Oh. Mm, that's three times it grew. So it grew and grew and grew in the sweet water of the well. Sorry, Northeast and lyrics. Uh, <laughs> Call to mind PJ and Duncan from um, Let's Get Ready to Rumble. They and, uh, boast. AKA Anton Deck for younger listeners. Yeah. Uh, they boast that they have so many lyrics, they're frightened to use them. The next line so many lyrics. <laughs> We've got them in stores. Oh, those crazy cats. Nice ref. To, the, it's, to this day, people in the Northeast still laugh. Ha 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 ha. <laughs> so the, the worm got big enough that it could crawl out of the well and mm. it coiled itself around a stone in the middle of the, the weir. And wh- at night time, it would come out, it would, it would suck the milk out of cows. Uh, it had nine holes down the sides of its face, that's an ugly detail. And it would eat sheep and bairns, which means kids, if in their beds. Oh god! Um, and, and my favourite version of the, uh, of the of the the story it is a very milk obsessed worm from the the Monthly Chronicle of uh, North County Law and Legend, eighteen eighty eight. Uh, we have the phrase: um, "It sucked milk of the uh, sucked cows of their milky treasure," <laughs> which I really like. I think that's lovely. Milk, aka milk. <laughs> <laughs> to get to use to apply the adjective milky to milk, it, it's almost tautology. Mm. So the, the main story was recorded in eighteen twenty by uh, by Robert Surtees. 
which is a, a properly good northeastern name in the history and antiquities of the county Palatine of Durham. The the, the worm started to terrorise people, and uh, the the lamps uh, came sorry? after eating kids. It's uh, oh yeah, yeah. So that's he, part he of the terror. Up. Yeah. They, they learn to sate it by giving it the milk of nine kai or nine cows. Mm. So the, uh, they bring it into the courtyard and the, a massive horse trough will be filled with the milk of nine cows every day. What? And it would come in there and it would drink the milk and then it would go back. And, it, and now it was so big that instead of calling itself around the rock, it would call itself around either Worm Hill, which is in Washington and is still called Worm Hill to this day, which is a, a very mysterious hill. There's, um, there's a, a website uh, dedicated to a weird... Geography and it's a very flat area, and then there's just a hill in the middle of nowhere, so nobody knows what it is. Um, and it was either that or it was Pensher Hill, which is the which is what most people now believe. And Pensher Hill is an absolutely massive, massive hill that you can see from most of Durham, so it probably wasn't that hill, mm. otherwise, it would be enormous. But these days, it, we say that he coiled himself nine times around Pensher Hill or seven times, the numbers change. So uh, apparently, if if anyone took at the tiniest amount of milk, like if one of the farmhands took a little bit of milk out of the the worm's pail, he would get so angry that he would thrash his tail and tear up trees with his oh. tail and smash them down. So naturally, many knights errant came and uh, tried to to kill the worm. And what the worm would do is they would wrap and coil themselves around the the man and crush them to death. We're in a pickle. Mm. Fortunately for the people of the northeast. The Lambton worm is so famous that word of it reaches young Lambton in Palestine. Uh, and he realises he has to go home to put right what he did wrong by hoying it doing the well. So he comes straight back from Palestine, which I assume takes ages mm. in those days. Um, and, uh, he's, you know, he's, he's so sorry and he apologises to a father. He says, I've got to be the one to kill the worm. First, though, he consults uh, a local witch. And I'm going to read, because uh, I really like the, the language of it, I'm going to read the, uh, the 8088 version of it. Now there dwelt in a lonely hut an aged wife, wrinkled and yellow, with matted locks and piercing eyes, and rugged, screaming voice. <laughs> Her commune was with the dead and the lost, and the outer darkness whence come pestilence, devilry, despair, and death to the children of men. To her the troubled chieftain went, that he might know the dreadful truth of all mischief, and perhaps how this ill should be undone. The witch was crooning over her smouldering fire of stolen wood, humming the not, not legally acquired wood, but stolen wood, humming the mystic chants of her darksome craft as she dozed above the dying embers. She she was crooning over the fire. Yeah, the Bing Just, Crosby maybe. Yeah. <laughs> but she's got a screech. What was her voice? <laughs> a screaming voice. A screaming voice. Which, which comes every every time she speaks later on, she's... So- I'm <laughs> It's more Noddy Holder, though, I suppose. Yeah. Well, you did, yeah. Uh, so this is, the, this is the scene when a young Lambton arrives, and she says, here's what you do. You, uh, you go to the armourer, and you get a suit of armour made with uh, spearheads embedded in the whole of the surface, so you're all spiky. Clever. And then you go and fight the worm on the rock in the middle of the River Weir, the rock from earlier, the one it used to coil around. Right. right. Oh, there's an important detail, which is that the, uh, the, the re- one of the other reasons that the, the other knights couldn't kill him is that it had the power of, quote, self-union, meaning you hack the tail off, it goes back together. Oh. And so you, it, it cannot be killed. So um, she gives him that advice, but comes at a price. And that is when he's, when he's killed it, he has to kill the first living thing he sees on his way home. Oh. So... He says, all right. And uh, he makes an arrangement with his father, Lord Lampton, that he's going to blow his bugle horn three times when he's killed the worm. And then the father will send out his favourite dog, it says. Oh. Not his least favourite dog. He's going to send him his favourite dog and he'll kill that dog. We can all assume that's going to work out perfectly. Yeah. He goes out on the the river weir, banging his shield, saying, come at me. Um, And the, the worm attacks. And there is the fight of a lifetime. Just imagine if it was animated by a Japanese animator, how impressive this would look. Oh, yeah. Uh, The worm tries to coil around him, but of course the spikes dig into the worm's flesh, so every time he coils, he gets weeper. And he hacks off its tail, and then he realises the wisdom of the witch, because it just washes away down the weir. Oh, that's why you do it. That's why he's doing it in the middle. So he's hacking and hacking, and all the parts wash away, and eventually he kills the worm. And I can't help but worry that just... Further down the river where it reforms, yeah. terrorising someone in Denmark when it washes out to sit. But anyway, we, as far as we know, it's completely dead. He blows on his bugle horn and his dad is so pleased that he forgets about the dog plan and runs out to meet his son and he sees his own father first. Oh. But he's not prepared to kill him. So he says, just get the dog and we'll kill the dog and we'll hope that works. They mm. kill the dog. It doesn't work. Still the favourite dog. The favourite dog. <laughs> they kill the favourite dog mm. and it, it doesn't work. 
Um, and so the the witch screeches, the witch reappears at this point <laughs> to scream something about that's it. That the Lamptons will be cursed for nine generations, Ooh. and none of them will die in their beds. Which Lampton doesn't think is that bad because they are all knights, so it is mm. quite normal for them. And uh, a few people have tried to top this up or work out from this when it happened, but we know at least that the the ninth generation Lampton uh, died while crossing a bridge in this area, and at least at least two or three of the other Lamptons didn't die in their beds. So the curse seems to have uh, carried on for many hundreds of years wow. after this. So yeah, so so that is the story of the Lampton worm. And now, in a last-ditch attempt to, to gain extra points, I want yeah. to add that it has a celebrity endorsement. Ooh. Mm, you didn't believe that the story of the Lambton Worm has spread far, far and wide, but I have a celebrity endorsement for you, mm. which you're not going to be able to guess it, but when you hear it, you're going to think, of course, the celebrity endorsement for the Lambton Worm is Roxy Music's Brian Ferry. <laughs> of course! Of course. Roxy Music's Brian Ferry has recorded... A version of the Lambton Worm song that I butchered for you early, earlier on. Oh. And it is dreadful. <laughs> it is. I, I don't use the word god-awful that often. <laughs> but how, you ask, how did such a not-that-famous story reach the ears of Roxy Music for Ryan Ferry? Mm. He's from Washington, the area exactly where the story happens. Right. That's the reason he's heard it. Um, but while while looking around on YouTube, I also found that this is uh, this is not an endorsement, but it's definitely something. To, I will put a link to Brian Ferry's version in the show notes mm-hmm. uh, on on the website, and I advise you to not listen to it because mm. it's worse than mine. Um, but there is a, a really nice animation. Uh, someone called Kerry Nutman, when he was twelve years old in the nineteen sixties, started animating a version of it, oh. and it took him about ten years to finish it. And he's put it online with him singing it. And so it's a wonderful eight millimeter animation recorded in sort of shake. And basically, it's the creepiest thing in the world—a child's animation of a story of a of a horrible monster. Mm. Um, but it's absolutely wonderful. So Kerry Nutman's version of it. I'll put a link to that, and I strongly recommend you have a look at that. I blew him well. I have to say, one of the things that I enjoy in a weird way about it <laughs> is that the 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 reet ugly uh, worm that he catches looks very much like. Oh. Well, yeah, and I, it's been drawn by a twelve-year-old. So, but they're the best. They're the people that draw them the most. I, 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 yeah, a twelve-year-old boy is drawn. <laughs> I'm sure he was unaware of what he was drawing. But, I but it's do. A, it's a wriggling on the end of a hook uh, until he, as you would. How are you doing a well? Right, yeah, I'll go and have a look at this 12-year-old's drawing of a... Please do. Please do. If the internet were invented for anything. <laughs> let's maybe cut some of that. Yeah. Let's, let's trim that down a little. To the scores. Category the first. <laughs> Naming. Mm. What do you mean? The Lampton Worm? It's, it's a worm, so there's no, a big... No, yeah, but it's not like... So it's, I, I assume it is spelled W-R-M, but I assume it's worm in the sense of W-Y-R-M. Which is the old word for like dragon? So it's a, it's not like a wiggly, wiggly little worm. Is it's no, a, it's a big worm. 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 It's worm. a worm. Worm. Say it with a kind of uh, bit of showmanship. It's a worm with nine holes. Worm. 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 Is it? Is it sounding any better? You little worm. Yeah, but imagine a big worm. <laughs> that is, <laughs> that's, yeah. that's essentially the pitch. A re, yeah, a sticky together big worm. You know you don't like worms, yeah. What if one was big? One <laughs> was really big. Big? <laughs> how big? Big enough to go around a hill? Okay. Yep. Yeah. Se- nice. Like seven times. Is it, it a big hill? It's a big, yes. a big hill. Yes. And it's a. Ah, again, as I already said, with the Lampton, that sounds like a nice little treat, a Lampton, and then a worm. It's that's. And then what's the guy? And he's just called. He's John, John Lampton. John. Or, or I think Janus, in, or Janus, Janus, one of the old version, middle, middle-aged versions of it. Come on. Middle-aged. Scrabbling From around. the olden days. Scrabbling around there. There's a, there's a carving on Lampton property, or there was in the 19th century, of, of uh, Lampton there with his spike-head armour mm. and a sword, uh, and a woman with bare breasts and wounds. No, no, it's just a bit of colour. Wounds? No, yeah, as if she's been attacked by the worm, and, the, and then the worm's there, and he's he's stabbing it. Oh, okay. But, but like Hollywood, they've, they've thrown in a sexy lady character who isn't in the story, just because, oh, okay. you know, I sculpture. Thought, I thought she had wounds because he'd forgotten, and he'd given her a, she'd given him a hug. Ooh, oh, oh, no. that would be awful. Because it, it seems almost... his fa- forgetfulness runs in his family. <laughs> right, forgetfulness about very pivotal things. <laughs> So, we've got so a, you've got John, uh, uh, you've got an inaccurately named 
worm. Yeah. I'm still just imagining right, but look a big flesh colour. It's going to be white as well because it's just drinking the, like, the milky treasure. <laughs> it's definitely green from all of the pantomime and drawing versions I've seen of it. But let me let me give you some of the some of the sweet sweet dialects from the from the song again. Two minutes. Don't ago. sing again. I'm not going to sing. All right. Hook. H-E-U-K. That, that means hook. Um, if your category was gem instead of home dyslexia, di- <laughs> you'd be th- you'd be doing really well. <laughs> he would swally little burns alive. He was that's a, quite. Nice. He'd swell, he would is swally, that, swallow he little it? burns alive. Yeah, <laughs> we've got we've got the word Kai for cow. These are just these are just words. They're not names. They're not names. Da- John, <laughs> damn you! No, you've got John Lampton. Lampton worm. There's only that's only three different words. One of them is spelt wrong. I've got to tell you, there's also a well word. That's well. just that's only one more word, and it's hill. <laughs> and there's a well, worm well. Worm is well, it well, right? Not anymore. It's gone. But, but <laughs> there was a worm well. What's it, the stone? Does worm the hill. stone have a name? Which the, one the stone in the river? Or oh, the river was called Weir. That was funny. Was I weird. enjoyed that. Yeah. The stone doesn't have a name. Right. I think the stone may have been lost. No. Yeah. No. Kerry Nutman, he did the animation for... The That's a nice place. name. That's Kerry Nutman is a lovely name. Shout out to Kerry Nutman. Uh, no, I think this is a two because you... And it's not... No. Yeah, it's a two. And that is being very generous because the worm, it's not even spelt with a Y. So it would look interesting written down. You just imagine that. This is what the episode is going to be called. Lampton Worm. It's going to bring him in. Is it? Yeah, people are going to read that and go, ooh, ooh, I wonder how big it is. Ooh, a worm. <laughs> Great. All right, two. It's got nine holes. How does that work? Is one of the holes the mouth and then it's got four down the side? I think it's running the other side down its nose. Don't know. And is it nine on each side or? I think it's nine on each side because otherwise it'd be, it'd be asymmetrical. But then, well, that would make it a bit like, ooh, it's weird. Is it going to get me any more points for naming? No. No. <laughs> Numbering two, two, two out of five. There's loads of numbers. Yeah, there's not. Should have got a number. Maybe you've got a number. Should I throw category? in? A, I haven't got that in my list of categories. Numbering. I don't think got nine kais. He wrapped himself seven times around the hill. Yeah, or nine in some reports. I mean, this is we don't really scoring highly. <laughs> All right, the next category. I've got to scrape back. Supernatural, classic traditional category. Supernatural. Mm. What do you mean? Mm. Are you aware to what an enormous size he grad? <laughs> yeah, but things can be big. Worms. Nine times round a hill big. Worms can be big. People thought that worms, if you cut them in half, were two worms until about five years ago. I think I found that, that about that last year. Yeah, only Q. If, if there wasn't QI, people would still think that if you cut a worm in half, it becomes two worms. Well, you're very. I'm lucky, talking about real worms. You're now. very lucky that this worm didn't produce two worms when well, cut no, in half. It otherwise, need... we'd have. A, a variety. A load of lantern worms. I'd be scoring even higher up for numbering the numbers. And then it would definitely wouldn't be a dragon, it would just be a worm. Just a big worm. Alright, well, since this doesn't happen, it proves it's a dragon. So, <laughs> what could be more supernatural? We've got that, we've got a witch. She's uh, basically, all we know about this witch is she's not very good at singing. We've got a prophecy. I mean, a curse. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot. <laughs> I forgot what it was. The, it's yeah. a curse. you got a curse. People can say a lot of stuff, though, can't But also, they? he brings the whole thing on himself by being such a bad lad. Swearing by, being, at by swearing at the river. On a Sunday. On a Sunday. In one of the accounts I've been reading, it's introduced as the sin. It's all a moral story teaching him a lesson through supernatural occurrences. It's only a three, though, really, That's isn't it? Flipping heck. Because it's kind of... It's getting into that cryptozoology stuff which doesn't come across as that supernatural they're not really no one does any magic a curse are you, are you marking me down because you think it might be true and there could be a giant worm it could be a, I'm not saying I think it's true I'm just saying a giant worm the, isn't that drank the milk of nine cows every day a giant and ripped worm up trees with its tail that loved dairy dairy goodness what was it uh, milky treasure <laughs> <laughs> which brings I'm getting a three out of five fine that brings me on to uh, my next category, milk. <laughs> I've written that with an exclamation mark. Uh, you're quite right. Milk. It was it was a fairly milk-obsessed 
creature. Yeah, this is, yeah, this. It occasionally ate bands when they were sleeping. Yeah, because probably they smell of milk. Yeah, you see, right, it was probably the scent of mother's milk that attracted them. Same reason cats steal children's souls or whatever it is they're supposed to do. Yeah, same reason cats steal children's souls. <laughs> yeah, because of their milk. That's probably the bare breasts of the lady that you mentioned. Yeah, it, it was just going after her milk. Milky treasure. Her, her mammary glands. Mm. Her, her mammary delights or whatever. <laughs> that is the name of my student band. <laughs> We didn't do well. <laughs> back to uh, Milky so Delights. Back to the category. <laughs> the category milk. Milk. Yeah, heart five. I'm going to give you five. I can't imagine there being more milk uh, in this story. Like, this story is so obsessed with milk that the characters in this story drink milk even though they know that it's going <laughs> to anger a giant, albeit worm, but a giant angry worm. Someone, someone definitely, at least once, I'll have a little bit of that milk. When they're dealing, like they're saving children's lives and stuff by doing it, it's like, well, I do quite like milk. Like, yeah, you're getting five out of five for milk, definitely. Five out of five. And finally, you've been fairly harsh with me. I, mm. think, I think you're going to have to score me highly in the category of unarguable famousness. <laughs> I think you'll agree it's an extremely famous story. Mm. Just ask your friend and mine, Brian Ferry. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, because he might... Would he reply in song, or would he go, yeah, I've heard of it? Let's not ask Brian Ferry. Yeah. Let's just assume that he's he's strongly endorsing it. Well, yeah, definitely. He he wanted to bring it to the world, and it's not it's not it, done well. Word of it reached as far as uh, as Palestine during the Crusades. Otherwise, Lambton wouldn't have heard about it. Yeah, that was a direct message. That doesn't count. No, he just, he just heard rumours. No, I'm sure someone giant, told him. He would be in Palestine, and two, one Palestinian would say to another, have you heard about that? Because we haven't got any problems here. Have you heard about that giant <laughs> yeah. giant worm they've got in Washington? They say, DC, if by that you mean County Durham, yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, ooh. And, and Lambton said, what's that you say? S- sorry, lads. I happen to be from Washington. Shut like up, Brian. shut up, shut up. <laughs> Tell me about the worm. No, it's not. Oh! It is arguably you, not firm. You, you clap, you've, you've drawn me to your bosom only for me to find you're wearing a, a suit of <laughs> spike-head spearheads. Yes, yeah. The Lampton Worm is not that famous. I'm sorry, the Northeast. What about the Panto? Yeah, what about the Panto? What's That's not it's the subject of a pantomime. It's very popular with the kids. Jack and the Beanstalk. With, with an opening... I mean, how many Pantos have an opening song which mentions children being eaten alive? Yeah. Shut up, shut up. I'm going to do my Panto. <laughs> no, like... Even the budget. Why have you made the... Like, the main antagonist of this pantomime... A, a worm. Like, well, in some, in a lot of the pictures, it has four legs. So I assume it was like a pantomime horse, but like the bad guy. That sounds terrifying <laughs> and inaccurate. So what? Ross Kemp. Yeah. Is gonna is he is he plays Lord the Lord. Lampton Worm. No, I would I put him as like Lord Lampton, the guy who at the end. Oh, okay, so he's old Lord Lampton. He's, he's, he's knocking on a bit now, Ross Kemp. And he's not going to play young Lampton. No, well, no, he wouldn't because it's Panto. It'd have to be a girl, wouldn't it? That's the oh, other yeah, thing yeah. about Pantos. If you don't know Pantos, the lead. That's why I mentioned Cabaret because it's yeah. sort of cross dressing, slightly sli- slightly sexy, but in a it is children's entertainment kind of a way. And then you got. Um, the, the actor that played Harold Bishop in Neighbours as the Lampton Worm. <laughs> kind of a Jabba the Hutt figure. Mm. I'm warming to this. How is this out of copyright? Could we uh, stage a production? Oh, yeah, yeah, we can stage a production of it. I don't think we can put Jabba the Hutt in it, but uh, yeah. A, a Hutt-esque yeah. sort of thing. And then, yeah, you've got... And then you've got the lady with the wounds as the, in the, as the Princess Leia role in the Golden Bikini. Yeah, exactly. and it's, not, got, it's not even a non-speaking role. She doesn't even feature in the story... <laughs> She's just there and topless. I, I'm not endorsing that. Yeah, I think we could do this. Yeah. So, so, so really, the fame we're measuring is not just the fame of the story to date. It's the fame of our high budget Hollywood pantomime pantomime <laughs> remake. Yes. That will inevitably take the world by storm. And so. if we get Ross Kemp on board, Google him, um, then that that will make it. I think. Yeah, I'd, I'd give it a four out of five. Four out of five. <laughs> So after you said that, your face said, your face said, and that's all you're getting. Mm. <laughs> Four out of five. And we'll put it on next year. And then it will be unarguably famous. Yes. This is Edinburgh. Yeah, Lampton. Lampton. No. Just. Worm. <laughs> <laughs> Exclamation mark. With a Y. Oh, yeah, yeah. But the, instead of selling ice cream at the interval on the trays, it's just milk. Yeah, it's just. Just gallons of milk. Nine cows worth of milk. <laughs> 
and help yourself, lads. Yeah. Dig in, is a straw. This tale is for anyone who's ever wondered what goes on inside a boy king's head. It's not what you expect. Prepare yourself, Alistair. This is a high-octane thrill ride of a story. This has got everything you could want from... Uh, I'm just going to tell the story. Actually, it's got because you've really you've oversold it at this point. I think so. Yeah, I'm, mate. I think I'm... I, I am prepared for something really intense. You want everything? <laughs> yes. um, this well, okay. It begins. We open in Winchcombe. <laughs> oh, you've lost me. Um, yeah, I'm walking out of the theatre. Um, I'm, I've left. It's, I'm in a cab. It's Saxon times, <laughs> and Winchcombe is the capital of Winchcombeshire. Hmm. Yeah, now right. he's coming I mean, I'm back. Ba- I'm back in. Yeah. Whoa, 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 stop the taxi. <laughs> I can still hear the unexpected twist. And this is in the Kingdom of Mercia. I know, I like that. Yeah, and we're in AD 788. All right. King Kenulf, yeah, the king of Mercia, founded an abbey. And then a few years later, he died. And he was succeeded by his seven-year-old son, Kenelm. He also had two older daughters, Kenulf. We only know the name of the oldest one, Quendreda, which is a great name. <laughs> it's quite an evil name. But we don't know whether what the middle daughter's name was. We don't know if it was a Ken prefix or just, yeah, a made-up series of sounds. Is, is Quen the feminine version of Ken? Oh, maybe. That's a good point. I was mm. trying to think of what were there any female names that began with Ken. Made <clears throat> yeah, specu- speculative research. Some there. great research I've not done. <laughs> So Quendreda, the older sister, she wanted the throne, obviously. She's, she's getting passed over for her seven-year-old brother. That's got to be... An, I don't have any siblings myself, but I imagine that's quite annoying. Well, my, my sister is two years younger than me, and um, when we were children, could run faster than me and beat me at all video games. Oh. And that, including one I made. I made. I invented a video game, and then we played it, and she beat me at it. I, I know how Ken Am feels. Uh, Quendreda. No, oh, yeah, sorry, I know how Quend. I've forgotten. <laughs> <laughs> in this scenario, you're Quendreda. Well, I know, um, I know how Quendreda feels. But she didn't try an exact revenge by creating a video game. <laughs> she persuaded Ascobert, as is a person's name. Yeah. Um, not Did- a computer game from the eighties. It does sound <laughs> like it would like, be. Yeah, the eighth century version of Ask Jeeves. <laughs> yes, and now Ascobert was Ken Elm's tutor, Quendreda. Persuaded Ascobert to murder Kenelm. Ascobert took Kenelm hunting in the Clent Hills. Let me say that again: the Clent Hills. <laughs> uh, and they went. So they went on this little hunting trip, Ascobert and Kenelm. And Kenelm had a little nap. Come on, he's seven. <laughs> Probably just had a eighth-century version of Ribena and a little lie down. And while he was having this sleep, Ascobert dug the grave for Kenelm. He's getting ahead of himself there, I a little bit. Yeah, it's, it's hubristic at, at the, the very least. Yeah, I, I, I my point point of view is if you're if you have been tasked with killing a seven year old, what you should do when that seven year old is slit is asleep is kill that seven year old. <laughs> Not I've I've always said that. Don't do the you don't need the prep. So during this uh, hubristic grave digging, Kenelm awoke and said, "This is not the place ordained for you to kill me." And he stuck his staff into the ground and black flowers bloomed from it. And this was meant to be proof. I know Ken Elm's your protagonist, but mm. this is a creepy kid. It's a bit it's, weird, That is it? a creepy... Th- it's like, have you seen The Babadook? Yes. Like the way... You, the best thing about that is you wouldn't mind if the, that kid got killed. <laughs> because he's awful. It's a bit, yeah, a bit annoying. Ken Elm is a bit of a Babadook kid. This yeah, he's saying black flowers bloom. This is not the place ordained. Creepy. In, kill, in, kill that kid. In one version of the story, it um it praises him for uh like saying that he was like singing a song or something, taking his death in good spirits. Spoiler alert, uh Asko Burt <laughs> heeded the words that this was not the place ordained to kill him, just took him down the road and killed him down there. Oh right. Yeah. So that sort of backfired on Ken Elm. I was just growing attached to the creepy little yeah. child. So Ascobert decapitates him 
and buries the head and the body under a bush. I guess it's a different guy. So that even that digging of the grave was a waste of time. He took a second. I would have at least taken them back to the first. Oh, and also while he was doing all this, a dove flew out of the base of Ken Elm's skull. <laughs> that sentence ends in a place it doesn't begin. Yeah. Uh, say that again. So while Asco, so Asco Bert has decapitated a seven-year-old and he's put him in a grave and he's filling that grave in. And while he's doing that, a dove flies out of the little boy's head. And the dove flies to Rome to see the... <laughs> I'll allow me to finish. The dove flies to Rome to see the Pope and he drops a scroll at the Pope's feet, which... Uh, the Pope can't read because the Pope can't read English. Fortunately, there's an Englishman there. He translates the note for the Pope. The, the note says, In Clent cow pasture, under a thorn, of head bereft, lies Kenelm, king-born. So the dove is grassed up, Arsco Bert. And, and with, no. with the appropriate authority, a.k.a. the Pope. The Pope, yeah, the classic <laughs> crime-solving Pope. I mean, it really takes a swerve from the moment of the beheading onwards, that story. It goes from quite realistic sort of family tragedy to, eh, hey, crazy. Is, can I check? Are you, are you improvising the bit where someone translates it? For the no. Part? That's part of the story. That's part of the story. Why part would, of the story. Why would the dove not just have written it why? in Latin? <laughs> How could the magic dove... Yeah, that's like the world... That, that's what everyone... That's like the Esperanto of the day, Latin. Yeah. Like, everyone could have known Latin. Like, kings and... That sort of people, they probably knew Latin. Yes. That's what the Pope deals in. Why would the if you can if you could write a magic scroll and you're a dove, write it that is ridiculous. That is a ridic that is um outraged. I because I was thinking about this. I was thinking like, oh that's quite clever of the dove to write of head bereft as like a clue in there. But then I realised, oh no, the dove would have written that down anyway because he's not getting out. <laughs> Unless the Ken Elms had his head cut off. I like that both of us have assumed that the dove wrote it. <laughs> is there a little mouse inside with a quill also in the guy's skull? The seven-year-old skull. Because a seven-year-old's head's not much bigger than a dove. But I guess that, like, ah, oh, it's just, it has only just occurred to me at this point that the dove is probably representative of his soul. Oh. Uh. <laughs> Sorry, the look of sadness. Is that the end of the story? Oh, <laughs> of course not. <laughs> so what does the Pope do? Um, so the Pope uh, sends orders to Wilfred, the Archbishop of Canterbury, uh, and he g- and Wilfred gets on the eighth-century version of the blower telephone, not a telephone, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> Probably you'd think carrier pigeon, but now it sounds like that's someone's. He'd have to kill, decapitate yeah. someone in order to send one of them. Anyway. However he does it, he gets word to the monks of Winchcan Abbey and they start looking for the body of Ken Elm. They manage to find the body of Ken Elm with the assistance of a white cow. As a, like a sidekick? Yeah, he's basically... he. The cow apparently started mooing at a bush and... Well, well, and that's out of character for a cow. <laughs> the, the, no wonder that caught their attention. And they were what's like... That, what's that cow playing at? Let's have a dig under here and they dig up the, the head, the body and the knife... The Pope, thanks to the classic chain of investigation, Ch- chain of Pope, command. next down, Archbishop of <laughs> Canterbury, next down, monks, next down, white cow. <laughs> I mean, the white cow's the hero in this tale. He's doing the real groundwork. Yeah, he's the one on the beat who knows the people involved. He can talk their language, or well, he can he can moo at appropriate bushes. So, well, I guess they thought cow pasture. Who knows cow pasture better than cows? <laughs> oh, it hasn't finished. What? Yeah, so they take... Oh, there was something about a spring as well. A magic spring comes out when they find the body. Well, either where they found the body, a spring comes from, or when the, the monks had a rest, taking the body back to Winchcan Abbey, and where they had a rest, a spring came from. And it's uh, there's a little little building there now, apparently, still. You seem really unimpressed with that part of the story. Well, yeah, because it doesn't involve birds flying out of people's heads translations which I love um, and uh, or, or detective cows <laughs> D- D- DSI Moo Man I as the cigar chomping, chomping studio exec from the start of this story am well up for the detective cow the rest of it I can take on it frankly but detective cow yes not even take my money 
you don't want a dove that can write a memo? <laughs> that's his secretary. Yeah, that's true. And they've got an on-again, off-again, will-they-won't-they relationship. Who's bad cop, good cop? Bad dove, good cow. That's that's your name. Anyway, <laughs> so the monks the monks transport Ken Elm's body uh, back to the abbey. And on the way, evil Quendreda, she's still angry that this has all gone on. Although she seems to kind of be getting away with the thing. But anyway... Her just desserts happen because she tries to curse the funeral procession by reading Psalm 108 backwards. Now, Psalm 108 is known as the cursing psalm. In some reports, reports, in some versions of this story... <laughs> yeah, let's, be, let's be careful about the words we use. <laughs> in some versions of the story, it's Psalm 53, which is the atheist psalm. I do wonder why these psalms made it to the final part of the Bible. <laughs> <laughs> the cursing psalm and the atheist psalm, they don't seem on brand. The atheist psalm. Yeah, because I think it starts with like, he who believed in God is a fool because there is no God or something like that. Which again, that doesn't seem... That's really off message. Yeah. Um, so she tries to read that backwards in order to curse the funeral procession, but her eyes burst <laughs> and <laughs> cover the page with blood and she dies in agony and she's unable to read anymore because not only has she no eyes... <laughs> The piece of paper that it's written on is covered in the blood from her no eyes. That is, I really like the attention to making sure she couldn't read it. <laughs> that reminds me of... Um, you know, I'm a big fan of... How ther- can that remind you of something? <laughs> well, that, that reminds me of another eye-exploding story. Uh, funny, funny thing, I haven't... Sorry, your, your cat is sniffing at my uh, teacup. I realise I really need to finish that sentence. <laughs> the, the story that reminds me of is um, I'm a big fan of the, the history of European fairy tales. And I think it's 17th and maybe 18th century. In the, in the Charles Perrault version of Cinderella, at the end of the story, the, the Ugly Sisters, the famous mm. Ugly Sisters, um, uh, apologise and they're forgiven by Cinderella. And she oh. gives them each a salon in, the, in Prince Charming's castle, which is a really nice ending. Tanning. No. <laughs> Well, no, at this time, these were salon stories. Um, so so fancy uh, women would hang out together in their salon uh, and they would tell one another fairy tales and, and, and Perrault started writing them down. Or perhaps he kicked off the telling of them by writing them down. Right. Uh, a hundred years later, in, in the, uh, the Brothers Grimm, mm-hmm. who were German, mm-hmm. not French, mm-hmm. wrote their version of that story. Um, and uh, in, in their version, uh, at the wedding, the, the, the sisters are there and they're throwing rice. And then doves come and peck out their eyes. Which gives you, I think, a sense of the different attitudes to justice that the German and French peoples have. Yeah. A nice little salon. Yeah. And a a business. Your own own salon. Your own small business. (laughs) Or or an eye pecking out. Or no eyes at all. Um, So, Kenan was interred at the uh, Abbey, and there was a shrine there which was visited uh, many times throughout the years, and there's like you know miracles and all that sort of stuff just listed as some miracles like that's that we're not going to go into detail about them you've had enough from this story (laughs) excitement in 1815 the abbey was excavated and they found a coffin with a skeleton of a boy with a long knife beside it um unfortunately the bones and the knife turned to dust in contact with the air how many I don't, I, I don't know how many stories we've recorded at this point, but I've heard the phrase, all turned to dust. Turned to dust. So many times. It, it's a good way of not having to prove your story. It is, isn't it? I saw it. Oh, have you got evidence? It turned, it turned to, to dust. dust. Why? Uh, contact with air. It was, it's very much the folklorist's dog ate my homework. <laughs> and so, to the scores. Okay. What, what are your categories? Oh, they are... They are legion. They're called legion for they are many. Um, well, so what's the first category then? First category, I'm going to go with supernatural. You're opening with supernatural, okay. I think so, yeah. Um, it's not normal to have a dove in your head. No. I'm not saying that. As far as we know, because mm. any one of us could have a dove in our heads. Yes. For f- Most people aren't beheaded. Mm. So many people's doves just stay in when and they die. die. When mm. they die, no one thinks to look. Should we have a look inside that skull, see if there's any little bird bones? I think, yeah, a dove that goes to the, to the Pope. A, do- a dove that goes to the post office. <laughs> <laughs> that would be impressive. Yeah. That's supernatural, definitely. Yeah. The Head doves. Uh, the staff with the, the flowering staff. Yeah. The creepy, creepy child. 
annoying children, and unfortunately, they're very real. Yeah, <laughs> but but, uh, but, there, but there's there's a certain type of annoying child that belongs to sort of the, the sp- spooky literature. Mm. Ones that can say the word ordained. Yeah. Eesh. He's creepy, creepily spooky, and I'm glad he was murdered. Well, he was a king, though, so... Are you saying it, it, his um, his gift for language probably wasn't supernatural? No, he probably had lessons. All right, well, that'll, that'll knock some points off oh, for that. Um, yeah, I let you walk into that, didn't You'd I? Really let, I could feel that I was being led down. <laughs> I, it was like I was being taken hunting in Clent Hills <laughs> before being decapitated, yeah. So what, have we got the, uh, the eyes bursting... Classic eye burst. Forth from the face. Yep. Um, that's any, any other supernatural occurrence in the story? Detective Cow. And Detective Cow. I think that's a, I think that's a four. I'm knocking one point off because the child may simply have been insufferably pretentious. Yeah. But yeah, f- four out of five. Okay. Gore. 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 Occasional visiting category. Gore. Gore. Well, again, eyes bursting. Yep. Decapitation. There's a yep. lot of blood there. Uh, the, and the murder of a, like your little brother. Yeah. That's, that's not. I mean, we're talking about it as if it's fun to murder children, but in reality, that, that would be horrible. Getting the teacher as well, the trusted figure. Is that who Askobert was his teacher? Ask, yeah, asks Askobert. That, oh, I didn't realise. So I maybe that teacher. he's the guy that's responsible for that annoying... This is not the place ordained for you to kill me. Oh. I'm surprised he didn't actually just kill him. Yeah, there. exactly. But that, but he saw a stick, flower, black flowers. So, well, I think it's I think it's only only a three out of five for gore. For gore, we've got yeah one one beheaded child and two popped eyes. <laughs> that's that's not that much. What? 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 I want to be clear on when I guess the thing is this. It's because I'm visualizing when the dove comes out. I'm visualizing it as pure white rather than sodden and yeah, red and like the blood of a child's head. Sort of flicking bits of brains off its <laughs> wings before it flies off. If that and just hastily scribbling a note, probably in blood. <laughs> well, if that were the case, mm. it's a four. Mm. But I don't think you have any evidence. That, that, that the dove didn't come out pure, gleaming white. Because right. I don't think it would have been let in to see the Pope. A bloody dove. <laughs> People would say, go away and clean yourself up. Clean yourself up. Before you get an audience with uh, his Popeness. Must have been less gory, so it's a three. That's a shame. Okay. Um, oh, this is perhaps related to Supernatural. Magic animals. Magic animals. What have you got? A dove. A, do- a dove. A, 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 a dove you're, that you're can command... heavily on this dove, but okay. The head dove. <laughs> and Detective Cow. Now, was the cow magic, or was it just damn good at his job? <laughs> that's the question I that's, have for you. I suppose that's the thing with detective work. It's like, it, you can you make it look like it's magic, but yeah. it's actually... He'd probably done a lot of, you know, going around, having a chat with the squirrels. Because <laughs> uh, isn't it someone that said any detective work sufficiently advanced should be indistinguishable from magic? <laughs> Especially if it's done by a cow. <laughs> yeah, I think I think someone said that. <laughs> Just now. <laughs> it's been said at least once, I, I, I'd wager. I think this um, brilliantly Disneyfies the whole <laughs> story. <laughs> How dare you bring Walt Disney into a story involving a child's beheading? But I, th- I think it gives it a little sort of, ooh, a, a, a Cinderella sort of aspect of like, oh, there's a little dove flying out of the kid's head. Um, <laughs> but again, to, imagine you're pitching this to Walt Disney is now the cigar-chomping executive. You get to the bit, and then the child is beheaded. He's he's going to raise an eyebrow there. No no amount of doves. And buried in a shallow grave. Well, we can show that off camera. No, that needs to be on camera <laughs> because... Well, I think you have, you have one magical animal. And one animal who is... Damn good at his job. So I'm giving you one out of five. <laughs> one animal. Because you could obviously have had five magical animals in this story. <sighs> that Sorry. cow was one day away from retirement. <laughs> okay, um, this has to work. The category of naming. Well. Come on. I, I can't help but know, and I, I don't think I didn't notice this while you were telling the story. You can't just keep saying Clent with a strong T and hope you're going to convince me that it's... That's a great name. It's a good name. Okay, so you've got Clent. Kenel, Clint Hills. Kenolf. Quendreda, Ascar, but it's five out of five. Yes. No, I thought it wasn't that good, but as I went through the... Mystery Sister, we can only assume that that's a brilliant name. But even Mystery Sister sounds like a, a decent student band. Why am I giving these names away? <laughs> so, For... any other good names? Um, mean, it's, I've, I've already scored it, but... Yes. Wilfred, the Archbishop of Canterbury. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Wilf. 
All right, Wilf. It's not that good. I would I would love to take it down to four, um, but I can't because I'm okay. I'm going to get it back up because in some version of the story, Ascobert is called Askbert. <laughs> it's, it's as simple as that. The Columbo factor. Mm. One last, uh, one last thing, Alistair. <laughs> Sorry. All right. Uh, yes. The Columbo factor. Mm. Yeah, because we know the we know who did it, and then the story is just watching us watching that person get caught. So yes, that, like in Columbo. So yes, yeah. um, you've, you've made your case. Are there any Columbos that don't finish with the with the criminal's eyes bursting? I think every uh, over single a hymn one book. Of, yeah, most, most of them. Most of them do. I mean, I guess that's why he wore that waterproof coat. <laughs> because of constant eye juice. Oh, he had a bad eye. As well. <laughs> oh. um, we don't know if it burst. We, Probably no, not. We I don't think know it the background yeah. of that. Presumably someone was reading the atheist's psalm. <laughs> but he was standing at an angle. It's really unfair for us to bring Peter Falk's missing eye into... A story with exploding eyes. I'm trying yeah. to get points. The Columbo factor. <laughs> All right, no, you're right. Yeah, yeah. That's, Poorly eyes. That's you, it may be inconsiderate of you, but um, it's, You'd think it's it would worth get an extra point. point. Well, we don't do we don't do half points. No, I know. It's Columbo. We got the Pope. Oh yeah, the Pope. DSI Pope. Yeah, Col- the cigar chomping Pope <laughs> shouting out, "Oh, Wilfred, get in here! <laughs> I'm gonna take your minor, <laughs> your, your 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 silly hats on the line." <laughs> Find out where Kenham is. Find out which cow field in Clent Hills this beheaded seven-year-old is. <laughs> and um, then he's like, the Pope's busting my beer. <laughs> monks, you gotta help me out. And then the monks go out, kind, I'm imagining Keystone Cop style, and hmm. then... Sort of blowing a whistle, waving, yeah, waving their monk staff. Trying to get into a cart and falling out of that cart and all sorts of stuff. And then, again, one day away from retirement, Detective Cal. They think, ah, this guy's put out your pasture. He's, uh, <laughs> actually, that's quite an insult to cows, isn't it? Mm. That's that's their day-to-day. They must be like, well, have a little bit more thought when you use these phrases. <laughs> um, it's five out of five for the Columbo Factor. Yes! You're short parody of all detective drama has convinced <laughs> you have been listening to lawmen the lawmen are alistair beckett king and james shakeshaft the lawmen will return later this year with series two telling tales of folklore from the british isles and beyond If you have a local legend you'd like us to investigate, tweet us at lawmenpod or email contact at lawmenpodcast.com. Lawmen is spelled L-O-R-E men. It's wordplay. If you enjoyed series one of Lawmen, please do rate and subscribe. Maybe write us a review. And if you didn't enjoy Lawmen series one, shut up, shut up, shut up. I'm Alistair's Batman and Robin, James Shakeshaft. And I'm Alistair's Man Friday and Girl Tuesdays, James Shakeshaft. And I'm Alistair's Mars Bar and Milkshake, James Shakeshaft. These are sounding more sexual than I'd intended. (laughs) 